MP, I've got a secret. You're having a baby, Bretto. <laughs> no, MP. You're moving to Byron. Not yet. You've got me a Christmas present. Well, maybe. That's not the secret. What is it, Bretto? I'm not telling. Mate, that is just cruel. <laughs> I'll tell you next week. When will you tell me, Bretto? Well, Monday, November 26th, 8am, MP. Put it in the calendar. It is big news. And I think thousands of Wellness Couch podcast listeners will love it. All right, Bretto. It's in the calendar. 8 a.m. Monday, November 26 to get Bretto's big news. Make sure you get your emails by signing up at thewellnesscouch.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thewellnesscouch. Do it now before the secret gets out. Do you want to know the secret, MP? Stop teasing, Bretto. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. It's time to kick your shoes off, put your heels up, and listen to how to live your best barefoot lifestyle with your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. All right, welcome back to the Barefoot Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson. And as you know by now, if you've been listening in, it's all about building foundations that support you from the ground up. And if there's one person that knows about movement and who has a special little interest in feet. It's my man, Carl Hemmington, all the way from New Zealand, who we have with us today. He's the founder of Best Me and the co-founder of New Zealand's integrative gym, Health Fit Collective. He's a father, a manager, an educator, a corrective exercise specialist, a functional movement coach, and he has the awesome podcast. And if you haven't checked it out yet, I highly encourage you to Best Me Radio. So, welcome, Carl. Thank you, sir. I'm pretty excited about coming on here. And yes, I definitely do have a uh, a thing for for feet, and and not not in that kind of way. Although I, <laughs> although I do get a lot of stick for it anyway. Although when I met you at um, the Wellness Summit this year, you were giving my feet uh, a fair bit of. Attention, so I don't know. It's good to have a fellow barefooter to hang out with in bare feet on stage, I must say. So. I know, right? People Thanks. couldn't give yeah. us as much stick. It was great. I know. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we mitigated that. We just ganged up on them all. Yeah. Um, so do you want to give us a bit of a uh, an intro of yourself as well and, and a little bit about your journey, mate, how you got to where you are now and, and what you are doing currently? Yeah, yeah. So... It's been, you know, a big old journey, like everyone's uh, life, I guess. And you know, if we trace it back, you know, I'm the the oldest brother of three, um, and from come from a family that was always very uh, fitness and wellness orientated. Um, so, you know, athletic prowess, I guess, was something that was always highly valued in our family. Um, we're always outside. Outside, we were always um, into sports. So a lot of the Kiwi sports, like you know, rugby and cricket, for example, we grew up playing that. Um, and which I, you know, pursued on and, uh, but yeah, grew up in a very active family, uh, that translated into sport, um, which I really enjoyed through my youth. Um, and then when it started to get a little bit, it started to get a little bit more serious, I guess, um, we got to university stage, um, when I just started studying exercise science, funny enough, and I made a, a rugby team, which I wasn't really expecting to, to make at the time. And yeah, when I was reflecting on this journey, actually, coming into this podcast, I remembered having a lot of foot um, and footwear issues, actually, through sport. And I was just having these, I had a lot of moments in my my sporting career where I had a lot of uh, foot issues, like a lot of pain throughout the top and the, the bottom of my foot. Went to podiatrists, doctors, they could never work out what it was, but I always found like I needed to buy um, rugby boots in particular that were a size bigger. Um, for me just to allow my foot to expand. But then I also hated the weight of those of those boots as well and the stiffness. So I couldn't feel like I couldn't react well. And in fact, I used to train a lot in bare feet um, as a kid because I, I, I could react faster. Um, I felt more stable. Um, I felt quicker. Um, and I just felt like my body was a lot more kinesthetically smart, although I didn't know what that term meant at the time. <laughs> but yeah, so I made a rugby team uh, when I was studying exercise science which I wasn't expecting to make. Around that same time, I got into weightlifting because I was learning, you know, this exercises for this muscle, um, for example. So I started to add that layer of strength training into my routine. 
Um, and I think I perfectly set myself up for um, a knee injury called the unhappy triad. So I tore my ACL, my MCL, and my medial meniscus, which wasn't fun, as you could imagine. That was uh, through strength training? Well, it was actually, I did it in rugby training. Um, but I think now looking back at what I was doing in my strength training, you know, I developed a lot of um, anterior um, uh, leg muscles, mm. and I was doing a lot of isolated movements. Which, as you know, probably doesn't translate well to the you know the high performance real world. So more of that bodybuilding style because that's mm. what I was learning at the time. It's basically regurgitated stuff from the seventies that is still being pumped out today. Unfortunately, um, that's another rant though. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, and then from there I got into the you know the rehab side of things, which is my first introduction to exercise rehabilitation. Um, and as I was getting into the gym stuff a little bit more, one of the trainers in the gym said, "Actually, you've got a really." you know, uh, well-balanced physique, you should try bodybuilding. And I think at the time I was probably searching for achievement and, you know, in the physical realm again, because I was doing really well with my sports, um, to have that taken away from me, I sort of felt a little bit lost, I guess, in some ways. So yeah, I had a go at it and I, I won a national title, my first, my first go, which I was really surprised. And, you know, I guess I got a little bit of empowerment from. And the photos, if you haven't seen them, are very impressive. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to pull that out and, and put a link to that. <laughs> I'll never, they'll never die, those ones. <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty classic. Dreadlock Dumpa Lumpa. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I guess that's when my relationship with movement changed quite a bit. Um, and not not in a good way. And, you know, from there, I carried on for the next four years and I actually did competitive bodybuilding and I won, you know, a few national titles and I did some international stuff. Um, and yeah, I ended up reflecting on uh, the experience and I was like, well, it's pretty cool to achieve something. And I actually learned a lot of lessons around, you know, mental and physical resilience, um, which I'm, you know, forever grateful for. But I wasn't able to do the things I loved. So, you know, I'd get out into the bushes and I felt really unstable and I couldn't react well to the environment. I'd go to play um, some games in the backyard, like touch footy or, you know, backyard cricket. And I just couldn't react well. And in fact, I felt really uh, vulnerable and I lost my speed, uh, my change of direction, a whole lot of different things. So I felt like I just wasn't able to do the things that I really, really valued in life. So... And then I ended up getting a whole lot of uh, pain issues and injuries. So I tore the labrum in my left shoulder and I had some overuse issues and I started to get some back pain and some knee pain. <clears throat> and this was all through just weight training. So isolated movement, not high impact sport or anything like that. So I was like, okay, something's not right here. Right. So I took a step back and I was like, um, okay, so what does it mean to be human? <laughs> so I really started to dive into that. And at the time I had a really good mentor, um, Dave Leo. Uh, who's in Australia now, um, who runs Kaizen Exercise Physiologist. Um, really cool guy. And he sort of started or guided me through that journey in the beginning stages. And yeah, I started to look at, okay, what should and uh, should every human being be, be able to do to start? And then contrasting that with my current approach. And at the time, I guess I wasn't really enjoying movement very much. It, it was becoming a chore. Um, I realized I had identified myself um, as the the dreadlocked bodybuilder. Um, and I really identified myself with being sort of big and buff. Yeah, as big and buff as a little guy like me can get. You were pretty um, buff. <laughs> <laughs> for a little dude. A little and actually, Yeah, yeah. And maybe I had a little bit of little man syndrome as well. You know? like, <clears throat> so I guess I was trying. I had some, you know, some things there that I wasn't happy about in terms of my actual psychological connection with with movement and exercise as well so i got into that trap of doing exercise to look good it became mature i wasn't enjoying it um, i wasn't even moving well um so yeah i really started to challenge that and I, I i guess i really started to challenge that current exercise paradigm and i started to see the similar things in my clients as well um so i took a big step back and i guess um now, I guess I'm moving, I've moved well away from that. Um, and I guess I'm looking at moving away from that reverse engineering approach. So for me, moving well is freedom. It allows me to do all of the things in my life um, and get maximum enjoyment out of them. So I'm a father now, as you said. 
Mm. I want to be able to um, do things with my children. I want to be able to be in there for a long time to to um, to be there for my children. Um, I also think it's important to inspire your children through movement as well. For me, it is. You know, for example, a couple of years ago, I uh, I climbed this little fig tree um, out the back of our property. It wasn't it? It was actually on uh, public land. Um, I don't know how legal it is, but <sighs> I climbed <laughs> I climbed this fig tree and harvested probably about fifty figs. I just saw all this food going to waste. Nice. <laughs> and I had my daughter down below holding the bag and I was dropping them down there. And it's just something she always remembers and she often references now as like a really cool moment in her life. Your and partner she partner in crime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally exploiting my child. <clears throat> but, you know, um, that was just one example of many, you know, that, you know, I want to be able to do those things, you know, if I want mm. to, um, I want to be able to climb a tree or, you know, pick my child up and lift them over something or, you know, whatever it may be. Basically be able to trust my body in any environment. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of led me to where I am now, which is a very different approach. Um, yeah, which is more based around actually being in it for the long run and feeling good as opposed to just looking good. And I think actually as a side effect, um, you know, you actually start to look good as a side effect because you, you know, are living a well life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it probably sounds really familiar for a lot of people. Um, mm. it maybe especially, oh, maybe both genders, but yep. I know as a as a male, I can speak from experience. Yeah, you know, growing up in those sort of late teenage years, early twenties, it's oh, yeah, you know, those sports and things you kind of almost mm. um, not push into, but you sort of feel like you need to do strength training yep. and. Try and keep up with the, totally. the bigger guys, and you yeah. know everything you're saying resonates with me. Mm. You know, I tried the whole um, strength training approach, and used to train with. I didn't do bodybuilding um, per se, but it yeah. was that style of training. I trained with some, yeah. some mates who were bodybuilding, and you know all the stuff you're saying mm. it, it resonates. <laughs> like I, I had the same yeah. sort of stuff happen. You know, where it's these little injuries and niggles and. Um, had an ACL tear as well, which I'm um, mm. sure I was snowboarding at the time, but yeah, like it wasn't anything crazy. You know, it was obviously yeah. stuff that I'd been doing previously that had set up these imbalances 100%. in my body that had then finally snapped. And it's easy to blame the activity you're doing at the time. Yeah, but we kind of forget to look at that overall approach to what we're doing day in day yeah. out and the type of yeah. training we're doing. Um, you mentioned earlier about kinesthetically smart. Yep. Do you want to just, um, <laughs> for those of us, including me, who don't know what that is, <laughs> yep. <laughs> do you want to uh, elaborate on what that means? Yeah, so basically what that means is um, uh, body smart, so, you know, able to um, react and respond um, according to your environment. So, you know, for me, in, in that context, it was, um, it was all around feet. So, um, I don't know, I, I know you talk about this a lot, but... Um, when I'm wearing really supportive shoes, um, I just don't feel like I've got, um, well, I know that I don't have the same amount of sensory input coming from my feet to allow my body to respond well. So I did a little self-experiment actually. Um, I did a hundred K walk a few years ago. It was, and I, there was about six legs in this, uh, in this walk and each leg, I tried a different set of footwear. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a, an interesting little self-experiment. And I started with a sort of a standard uh, running shoe, and I felt okay. And then I moved to a Vibram, um, a five-finger shoe, and I felt great, actually. felt really responsive. My feet were um, protected. Then I went barefoot for a leg, and I literally picked the worst leg to go barefoot. Eh? We went over scorer, <laughs> volcanic rock. <laughs> <clears throat> and I felt really reactive to the environment, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it was really interesting. I felt absolutely exhausted after that leg because I just realized how much more feedback yeah. uh, my, my, my whole system had to, to, to take on board. And then I went into a, a tramping boot after that, so one extreme to the other, and I felt terrible. I rolled my ankle a couple of times. It felt hor horrible. So I went back to actually somewhere in between, which was a, a minimalist-style uh, shoe, um, and that's where I finished the, the last couple of legs. But, yeah, so – yeah, it's interesting because obviously in bare feet, you have so much more feedback. Um, your body responds to that feedback. It creates 
uh, you know, kinesthetic awareness. So it gives you some idea of where your joints sit in space. And then uh, being so supportive in the, you know, the um, tramping boot, which is probably the equivalent of a, or close to, of a um, snowboarding boot. So like a hiking uh, boot, yeah? Yeah, full-on hiking mm. boot. Um, all of that sensory input was completely stripped away. Mm. So I felt very, interestingly, very vulnerable, where they're marketed as being a very, you know, around uh, supporting your foot and ankle, which is yeah, kind of interesting. It's funny so, yeah, the whole it was, marketing side of things around all, mm. all that. I find it's pretty easy to sell these features because they sound good on paper, but... Yeah, once you start understanding the body and yeah. and yeah, do that experiment like you did where you actually feel the difference between you know, like a hiking sort of tramping boot mm. versus being barefoot or in a minimalist shoe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty quick even without looking at yeah. your research or anything, it's pretty quick to to feel the difference of totally you know, of what your body um, reacts more more with, yeah. Mm. So have you mm. always been into, I know you mentioned earlier you preferred to train barefoot yep. when you were younger. Um, it was obviously more of a, that was before obviously you'd done much um, study around yeah. uh, movement. It was just a something you felt you needed to do. But has that yep. sort of followed through with most of your life? You've always been into that more minimalist shoe or is it something that's resurfaced yeah. later on? Yeah, I think um, I always loved moving in bare feet when I was a kid, definitely. Like I was always outside and bare feet. In fact, I was reflecting on this the other day and how I used to have to dodge bees on the, on the, uh, on the ground as I was, you know, playing touch rugby with the neighbors at the back. Mm. Um, and then I guess, you know, the whole, I don't know, I guess I lost myself for a while in the middle there, um, where I was playing, you know, sport, I was training in a gym. Now, I guess I probably wanted to look fashionable as well. So I was wearing, you know, the latest trending shoes, mm. <clears throat> That's where I guess the dysfunctional side came in, and then yeah, when I reflected back, I was like, "Well, it makes one of the things I really um, became aware of was the importance of being in bare feet." When I was actually doing some reading on it and made aware of it through my mentor as well, so then I moved right back into it. Went straight back into the vibrams and mm. um, barefoot whenever possible, and uh, yeah, just honestly, my body responded really quickly on all levels. And actually, funny enough. Um, when applying that, I was able to, you know, lift heavier weights and, and do better in even the bodybuilding realm, which is, you know, as I was transitioning out of, I was performing better um, coming out of it, even while I wasn't intending on doing it. So Because you were yeah, training and, barefoot? Yeah. Well, that was one, one element, but that was um, an interesting sort of observation. So I found that I lifted heavier deadlifts, for example, when I was in bare feet yeah. and squatted heavier when I was in bare feet. Um, versus in stable, uh, stable shoes or lifting shoes. Yeah, which makes yeah. sense, right? Because you can create so much more torque. Mm. Um, you know, your body's stacked more efficiently. Joints are centrated more. Yep. You know, especially once you've retrained the body to accept that more natural position. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, for, for those of you out there who just ditch your shoes and go to the gym, you know, you may yeah. actually see a decline first off. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine. I know... You know, as I was transitioning out of shoes, I found some things a lot harder to do. But it was just yep. my body um, getting used to that, yep. like new slash old <laughs> yeah. position. Um, but once you, <laughs> yeah, your body accepts that position again, mm. you seem to accelerate a lot more. And yep. and generally speaking, the injuries tend to drop off as well. Yeah. I find. Well, interestingly, yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. I um, When I got introduced to Vibrams, I was so, so excited about them. Um, so, you know, they tell you to wean, wean onto minimalist footwear, as you, you know, I've heard you talk about as well, um, and actually learn how to move again properly. But I went straight in there and did a full day's work, uh, and them trained in them, went for a little jog and the next couple of days were not pretty. It's brutal, isn't it? <laughs> my calves and feet and ankles were just absolutely shattered. Yeah. Um, and I was so sore, but I felt more muscular and, um, fascial than, you know, anything else. I didn't feel like I'd done anything, um, bad. But yeah, you know, it's just I think it just once again just neural overload, eh? Mm. Well, it depends too on, on your um, your circumstance. Some people, mm. yeah, there is that risk of actually doing damage depending yeah. on um, you know what what stage they're at, um, how much compensations there are yeah, around you know around being in shoes or sedentary lifestyles and all sorts of things. Totally. Um, you know, obviously you're pretty active and athletic, and you've been doing a lot of training, so your body's probably mm. used to 
trying to yeah <laughs> get used to things pretty quick because you're giving it yeah. a pretty hard time anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good point, and uh, I've seen people, um, you know, I've cringed when I've re- seen people run past in Vibrams, um, heel striking, <laughs> yeah. you know, heel strike or flat foot running. I'm just like, oh my god, is that? Yeah. I think yeah. it's really important to kind of note that minimalist footwear and even being barefoot isn't necessarily the answer yeah. for a lot of people. You know, it's yeah. um, it's the end stage of once you get back into moving better and learning how to hold your body in a certain position. Yeah. Um, for some people, it may never quite be the right shoe for them. Yeah. But, yeah, it's all about that journey of um, fixing the movement patterns first. So no, totally agree. Your um well actually just quickly while we're talking about the bodybuilding side of things, you sounded almost a little bit um <laughs> negative towards that style of training. Um now obviously there's people that still uh want to bodybuild for a sport and I guess that's yep. that's okay and there's other mm-hmm. activities that we need to do certain styles of training for and that's also okay, yep. but yep. in your opinion, you know, even if you are bodybuilding and training for um, sport, should they be trying to implement more of this movement-based training yeah. as well? Yeah, no, I've um, yeah, I've got some ideas around that for sure, and I'm not, I'm definitely not saying like uh, don't do bodybuilding because some people that might be. Um, you know, something they really enjoy and something they really value, and yeah, you know, I got a lot out of it. You know, some people just want that. <laughs> Yeah, physique yeah, or there's other, yeah. st- other styles of training or sports too that may totally. need that style of training. But yeah, well, sometimes even for athletic performance or like you know positioning in sport, you might get asked to put on a certain amount of weight. But um, you know, my brother's uh, he's a professional athlete as well, and he's um had to make a certain weight to you know to hold his position. Well, maybe he didn't, but he got asked to anyway. Um, so yeah, I think um, well, firstly, actually, some more integrative movement. Um, and some more proprioceptive rich movement. So some movement that involves a little bit more stimuli like barefoot training and um, using different surfaces, different textures, um, working in a 3D environment can actually service um, hypertrophy or muscle building really, really well anyway. So I think it actually it can actually not only be a nice supplement to that training, it can actually be a real value add in terms of um, you know putting on muscle. And as I mentioned before, actually, as, as I was tra- transitioning away from bodybuilding, I was doing more work on, you know, the rings. I was doing more primal pattern work, more crawl work, more brachiating, um, more barefoot training. And I was stacking on muscle like I hadn't done before. And I wasn't trying to. Mm. Um, I wasn't doing the classic, you know, three sets of 10 style training, machine-based training. I was doing uh, very three-dimensional work. And I was actually more muscular and leaner, actually, um, than I was when I was bodybuilding. So I probably actually looked better mm. as a side effect of, of doing this sort of work anyway. Now, people are not always going to respond like that, but um, if you are um, a bodybuilder or you need to put on weight for athletic performance, I think that having some some barefoot uh, training or some you know three-dimensional functional movement can be an awesome supplement to it. Um, of course, you've got to be aware of the total load. So if you're doing you know very, very, very high volume, high intensity work, then you've got to be aware of that, that load as well. You don't want to over overexert yourself because it's going to lead to probably um you know inflammation and uh, injury but you know as a side effect you know as we know you know barefoot walking for example especially in nature can be very balancing for your autonomic nervous system so it can help mm. uh stimulate that recovery mechanism um um adding in some you know some 3d work um can be very uh nourishing for our tissues so you know, getting some ground postures and working through full ranges of motion can not only, you know, add that nourishment in terms of circulation to the tissues, um, but it can actually add some, um, it can increase fiber recruitment as well. So that's where I think maybe I started to find it easy to put on muscle because I was recruiting more muscle fibers um, within uh, the movements as well. So it can be really useful for that anyway. So yeah, in short, yes, I think it can be useful. So when you say 3D... Um, training or 3D movements. Yep. Like, what exactly are you referring to? I know you've mentioned a few there, but yep. just for people that you know weren't sure of what that 3D movement is, yeah. What yes. What are you specifically referring to? Yep. So that's uh, that's one of my um, movement principles actually. So 
with 3D movement, once again, like I said before, I think it's important to look at, you know, what the human body is, you know, capable of. So, you know, we can uh, squat, lunge, push, pull, rotate. We can walk or run, otherwise known as gait. We can brachiate. Um, we can swim. Um, and we can manipulate load. Um, and each of these we can do in, you know, three planes of motion as well. So the, the frontal plane, which is, you know, moving side to side. The sagittal plane, which is moving forward and back and the transverse plane which is you know rotation and everything in between so uh, i did a little bit of work with my brother again in this rugby programming for example and i think the programming was great in terms of you know sets reps and intensity all the fit pr uh, principles were really good but maybe the trans translatability or the um, transference sorry to to the rugby environment is quite different so everything was done as most gym programs, everything was done in the um, sagittal plane, which is moving forward and back, like mm. a classic squat, a deadlift, you know, bench press, a row, bicep curl, tricep extension. All of those movements are done in one plane of motion. And, of course, a sport like rugby involves every single uh, plane of motion pro possible and probably most sports, actually. So it involves yeah. a lot of rotation, a lot of frontal plane work, um, it involves, you know, reaching above your head, between your legs, um, literally every movement you possibly could do um, as a human. So I start to question if we're loading in one plane of motion over and over and over again, uh, you know, how, how is that actually affecting our, our performance? And also how is that translating into um, the real world? And I suspect probably not great, especially when you look at you know, how the nervous system wires. As we know, you know, nerves that fire together, wire together. And one of the best ways to, to program a motor pattern or a movement is through uh, pain avoidance or injury. And the other one is heavy load. So we can develop very strong neural networks um, through loading. So if we're doing one plane of motion, heavy load over and over and over again, um, you know, when we jump into a reactive 3D world, um, I think it can lead us to be very vulnerable uh, to injury. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I saw that recently with a young fellow uh, who just plays club football um, yeah. around my area and he had some foot issues as one of his many issues that he's yeah. trying to make me you know, one of the rep teams and I've been doing some, some training with his feet and his and, and body and it's funny because, you know, all he wants to do is go, forward and back you know it's about yeah. strength for his tackle or strength to run faster forward yeah. and it took a while for me to really get through to him that yeah like he's just saying you know you need to be able to rotate to pass yeah. the footy quicker to even just a run you need rotation um, yeah. you know if you're getting tackled from the side you need to be able to react to that totally you're not going to get tackled front on every time and yeah. i finally got through to him and once he started really giving it his all um it was only a couple of weeks you know and he came in and was just like stoked. He had like the best game of footy he'd ever had. He just felt yeah so much more reactive and amazing. Um, yeah, I was just like oh, finally like something yeah. taken. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> you got to feel it, eh? Yeah, so, the benefit. But yeah, you know, sports and yeah, most things are three D, like you're saying. Mm. And we need to get out of that mindset of just training. Totally. Um, but single well, can be sim the way it would manifest, like with with Kane, for example. Um, we just added some slight postural changes to a few things so we did like for a deadlift um, for example um, we did uh, in one sort of uh, program we worked through different foot positions so we took the feet wide um, we took the feet narrow we took one foot back slightly we took the mm -hmm. other foot back we turned the foot out um, obviously applying good movement principles to this as well you know neutral yeah. spine yep. hips knees toes all of the the good stuff um, and we got them in bare feet you know, all of these things that are just so much more rich, you know, proprioceptively rich for our tissues, eh? And, mm. and it's, it can't not have a good transference. No. Has <laughs> mm. <laughs> to, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned before um, that the 3D uh, like movement is one of your foundational yep. movement principles. Yeah. I love <laughs> these. What are your other – I know you've got six now, you were yeah. saying. Yeah. What are the other five? So there's 3D – uh, movement is one. Where does yeah. that fall so, in your in your list of yeah, principles? Yeah. So I, I, I'm sort of it seems to change. The next time you ask me, it'll probably be different again. That's but, all right. That's um, evolved, I've got evolved. sort of a hierarchy now, and uh, I've got six of them. So 
Yeah, number one is, first of all, addressing your relationship with movement. I think that's an important one, first of all, and understanding the why um, behind what you're doing. So, you know, why are you lifting weights? Why are you going to the gym? Um, and they say, you know, the whole Simon Sinek, you know, the six why. So, you know, ask mm-hmm. yourself um, why over and over again, and then you'll get, finally get to the reason why. And for me, it's um, movement is freedom. Um, so addressing your why, first of all, and that should drive what you do. And then also, are, are you actually doing it for yourself? You know, are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it because you're told it's, it's good for you? Or are you doing it because, um, you know, you're, you've had all of these, you know, beautiful bodies thrust in front of you through social media, um, all the Insta famous people. Oh, and you've, you seen want to look- my, uh, you've seen my page, have you? Exactly. Me and my <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my man, says. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hope I don't stumble across that one. No offense. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's a true thing, eh? And that's, that's kind of why we developed Health Fit, actually, is to get away from that. Um, you know, Insta famous uh, gym model. Mm. You know, are you doing it for yourself? And is it a joyful experience? You know, movement. Is it something you look forward to, or is it something you dread? I think those are important questions to ask, anyway. Mm. So, first of all, looking at your relationship with movement, and I try and reframe that for a lot of people. Um, move away from, uh, you know, movement or exercise. Sorry, seen as a chore. And moving it into something that's uh, more nourishing, and and looking at it in terms of movement versus exercise, because you know we don't have, you know, uh, <laughs> an exercise body and a and a body that moves. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, number two is is breath actually. So I think um, <laughs> in terms of functional movement. It's the most functional movement the human body can do, right? And it's probably the most important one to get right. <laughs> we kind of struggle without it, don't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it seems crazy that, um, you know, there's breath, there's courses based on teaching people to breathe again. Mm. Um, but, you know, it is a reflection of the way our society is set up. And I, I know you've got some ideas around this as well, so feel free to chime in. Um, but, you know, we know that our posture can influence breath. So, you know, when your when your rib cage drops below a certain angle, it almost completely shuts off, you know, diaphragm function. So all of these secondary breathing muscles take over and it can develop, you know, neck tension. Um, it can develop, uh, it can create headaches and other postural issues up through the shoulders and neck. Um, we also know that obviously emotion can, fe- can affect posture and posture can affect emotion too. So mm. looking at that tie-in is really important. So breath uh, in terms of uh, being a side effect of posture. Uh, we also know that you know diaphragmatic breaths can have such a, a strong influence on our whole system. So I talked before about autonomic nervous system balance. <clears throat> so I don't know how clued up your listeners are on autonomic nervous system, but basically it's what we used to think of as the sort of involuntary nervous system. So it governs um, you know blood pressure, heart rate, endocrine response. Um, things like that, all of what we used to think of was, uh, you know, uh, non-conscious um, behaviors in our body. And we've got two branches of that. And one is, you know, sympathetic nervous system, which is like your fight and flight mode, your stress response. And then you've got your um, parasympathetic nervous system, um, calming part of your autonomic nervous system. And by tweaking your breath actually by first of all getting diaphragm involved it can have a very calming effect or a balancing effect on your autonomic nervous system um, but also the ratio of your breath in to breath out um, has been shown to influence um, what part of that autonomic nervous system is prioritized for example um, if you take a deep breath in fast deep breath in and you breathe out slower than you breathe in, it can have effect. It can tap straight into that uh, parasympathetic nervous system. So it can kick you into uh, rest and digest mode. So take a deep breath in. <sighs> slow relief. So basically what you do when you get home from a long day at work, is our body's way of sort of saying, okay, it's time to chill out. On the opposite side, um, when you're taking shallow breaths or fast breaths out, so more of a deep breath in, <sighs> fast breath out, <laughs> sorry about that on the microphone, um, that can have a, a stimulating effect on the nervous system, so that can kick you straight into fight and flight mode. And you see that like when you know athletes run out into the field and they take a deep breath in, bang, they'll blast out a fast breath. You know, It really does kick you into that fight and flight mode. 
but imagine if you're doing these shallow, fast breaths all day. You're just mm. you're, you're triggering that freaking you know stress response all the time. So once again, you've got that foot on the accelerator, which has so a I huge effect on our our posture and movement. Anyway, if you're yeah, in that stress yeah. stress state all day, um, even short term, you know, it creates inflammation in the body. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what I think too. And it's not sustainable um, yeah. to do that. And um, had a recent chat with Helen Patteron, um, who you're good friends with, and we had a little bit of a chat around breath as well and how that can affect um, like digestion and gut health. Mm. Um, so, like breath, like breath's huge, you know. It's, I just think it's the foundation, eh? Like, um, like you said, it affects every system in our body. Mm. You know, um, it affects our, you know, our endocrine system, which governs almost everything. You know, mm. yeah. You know, so no, I just think it's so important. Um, yeah, number three, actually, on my hierarchy currently is bare feet. So, yeah, a little bit disappointed. This is number three. Um, we might have. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a, little bit of a, a bit of a chat off air about this, and uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see if we can get that up a little bit higher on the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, getting bare feet before you even think about uh, other elements of movement. Yeah. Uh, don't don't worry about breathing. breath. As long as you're in bare feet, you're good. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Surely you'll breathe well if you're barefoot. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Well, it's, it's the first sort of principle that relates to actual move. You know what people consider movement. Yeah. So I don't know if that's. Uh, I'll that's, take uh, that. Some, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, this is uh, this has been you know revolutionary. It's been you know hugely um, changing for for me and my physiology for sure, and a lot of my clients too. And you've definitely helped um, you know add some more weight to this as well after. You know, talking to you, you've added a lot more detail for me, which has been great. Um, and it has slid up my hierarchy as a result. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, you think about the way that the human body is designed to function, right? And if you just take it back to the, the basic of what the function of the foot is, to me, the role of the foot is to interact with the earth. <laughs> yeah. So it's to provide feedback from the surface you're standing on which is just like such an important uh, role, <laughs> in yep. my opinion. Yeah. You know, and as we know, it's got a huge amount of proprioceptors, which means, you know, it's uh, a lot of neural input. So it gives us, it's got the potential to give us a whole lot of information. Um, and I know you've said this before, but it's got about a quarter of the bone, the joints in the body. Mm. Um, so it's got a huge amount of joints. So it's designed to move. Yep. Um, and it's, it's got some seriously high-functioning software. I mean, even... Uh, robotics currently can't even get close to mimicking the function of the foot, which no. is crazy. You know, it doesn't look like they're anywhere close either. Um, so we wrap them up in these uh, foot lockers day in and day out, you know, otherwise known as shoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we expect to be, you know, functioning well. It just, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, barefoot for me is just, is just key. Um, and then, you know, not even taking into account, you know, um, some of the, the other other um, positive benefits, like you know the earthing idea, which you know rebalances our mm. um, electrical system um, in theory. So getting in touch with different surfaces um, and different elements of Earth as well seems to be quite important, and it kind of makes sense too. Mm. Um, and then actually uh, moving on from that, number four is the flat foot squat or the deep squat. Um, and as a human, it's it's one of our uh, functional resting postures actually so it's a position we're designed to rest in um, and if anyone's listening right now I challenge them to see as long as they don't have any serious injuries um, knee, knee or back issues see if they can get into a deep squat sit down and rest with their feet flat with the heels still on the ground and see if they can comfortably sit there um, because it is a it's a functional resting position it's also a, a position ancestrally uh, in which we would have had to uh, do toiletry functions. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So it's really important for digestion and complete elimination. So it can have effects on uh, the whole function of your, you know, your, your sphincter and your your digestive system as well, which I think is important to to acknowledge. Mm. Also, you know, you look at some of the research now around sitting in a supported seat and how it instantly changes our endocrine system. It makes us more inflammatory and makes us more efficient at storing fat. You know, you look at the the, the research around um, leptin resistance and, and seating. It's pretty fascinating. 
And yeah, as you hear, everyone just get out of their seats now and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slowly get into their squatting. If anyone position. saw my posture right now, they would realize how <laughs> it's not pretty. I'm sort of hunched over the, the computer with this microphone in front of me. Um, I should be standing doing these. Uh, it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take a leaf out of my own book. That's right. Or, or at least sitting in a deep squat. Um, yeah, so I think that's a really important human position to, to get into your, um, your movement diet, actually. Mm. And then with, from there, um, sorry, just with the yep. the squat, it's one of the things I test in clinic um, for foot function on everyone, pretty much. And yep. it's amazing how many kids can't squat anymore. Oh. You know, like you see yep. most toddlers just boom, like down they go. It's how they pick things up. It's how they tend to chill out. You know, for the yep. most part. And yeah, like the amount of kids that. I don't know if it's just a obviously I'm a bit biased in that I'm seeing people with um, you know movement issues anyway and they're in pain and stuff but yeah like it just blows me away at how many kids um, can't squat and it's not even to the point of um, you know a deep squat but the heels are a little bit off the ground mm. you know I had a young fellow in here yesterday who you know plays lots of sports and he's really good at um, what he does athletically but yeah like he, he couldn't get into his brain what I was talking about, about trying to get his, like, butt down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like yeah. he was bowing at me um, <laughs> trying to squat, which... That's scary. That's, um, scary. That's scary, actually, with kids. I mean, I see it's it. Like it's bad. I take it... Yeah, it's, it's really scary. Like, and it makes you wonder what the future is going to be like when yeah. you start to look at epigenetic changes and, you know, how we evolve as well. I do a like a, a workshop in functional movement, and one of the screening tests is that deep squat. Ninety percent of the people can't even get close to an ideal one. Actually, probably more because you know when you take into account how an ideal one should look, yeah. you know, like butt to heels, heels flat, um, hips, knees, toes tracking well, uh, and uh, a nice neutral spine. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's a pretty rare thing to come across now. <clears throat> but even just well, they might get to the end position, I find, but it's even how people get up or down from the squat. Yeah. You know, like the well, Perfect cue. So thank you. So yeah. the next one. <laughs> All right, perfect. Let's go. <laughs> the next one is um, uh, erectisize. <laughs> so that sounds terrible. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that's probably good for you as well. But you know. <laughs> um, so the the ability to get, get down and up off the ground and actually spend time on the ground as well. So yeah. um, get down and erectisize. Spend time on the ground. I mean, it's some of the best mobility work you can do. Yeah. Instability work. And then actually developing motor patterns around how to get down and up off the ground. You know, that's something, especially I've, I've, I train some elderly people. So I've got one one man who's 97. I've got his wife who's 93. I've got another man who's 87. And uh, they move incredibly well. But just maintaining that ability to get down and up off the ground is vital. Um, and we know now, you know, there's, a, there's actually a test. There's a Brazilian physician who created a test. Um, it's called the sit-to-stand test. And um, it's been the statistics, are, it's been directly correlated to mortality is that ability to get down and up off the ground. So look it up if you want. It's, it's quite a useful, uh, useful test. Mm. Um, so, yeah, can you get down and up off the ground without using your hands um, and without rebalancing um, is, is basically the test. Um, and there's a point system around it. It's quite a cool one, actually. But I think having that ability um, to get down and up off the ground is just, it's just so important. <clears throat> oh, massively and mm. and obviously uh, the elderly uh, I train some seniors as well yeah and last time I do like a month a year with this group there's about 80 um, seniors they all range from about 70 plus the oldest yep. being about 95 from memory and last time I was like coaching them and running them through this little education program I do yeah um, I encourage a lot of them to get on the floor to show them how to get up. And a lot of them wouldn't do it because they knew they couldn't get up. Yeah, scary. But, you know, the, the thing is if, especially when, you're, when you are aging, if you fall and you've never been trying to, well, you've never trained getting it. up and down again, you've got no chance well, of getting back up. You know, well, what? that's it, man. And, and you've seen the probably the statistics around um, hip fractures and mortality mm. as well. Yeah. With people over the age of 80, it's it's almost a death sentence. Yeah. You fracture your hip and, and I think it's about 87% over the age of 80 um, will die within a year. 
Yeah, right. Um, so don't don't quote me on that. It's it's, but it's high yeah, it's anyway. High, but, yeah. but look that up. It, and so I mean that alone is worth maintaining that ability for, right? So yeah, I know as a <clears throat> you know a, a young man, um, yeah. middle aged, whatever you want to call me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can, can go, you can hang on to young maybe for another couple of years. Another but couple you're, of years. You're pushing the boundaries there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> having young children, right? Like the ability yeah. to get up on the Pick group. Them up. Yeah, but even just to get out and play and get back up, yeah, um, yeah. it was never important to me prior mm. to kids, but kids has changed my perception of movement yeah, and what I same. need to be doing. And, you know, it's, I'm, I'm always trying to get on the ground if they're on the ground um, mm. more so I can, you know, be active and maintain that yeah. level yeah. of activity with them. But, yeah, there's huge benefits to to doing that daily, you know. Can't agree more. Um and yeah, it's um, it is sad when you see you see people limited by their inability to move. Mm. You know, they don't get to have those really rich experiences with their kids. And for me, that's like you know, those are the most rich, nourishing experiences I can yeah. possibly have. You know, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. So I think erecticide is pretty important. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And then after that, we have sort of the you know what I talked about before, which is a three D uh, movement. Um, which has a bit more of a performance layer to it. So that's moving through all of those primal patterns, you know, squat, lunge, push-pull, rotation, gates, uh, brachiates, um, manipulate loads, um, jump, swim, all of those things um, in all three planes of motion. Um, and, and you can add that performance layer to it. That's where you can fuse, you know, the, the ancestral movement world with the modern um, exercise science world. So you can mm. apply those fit principles to that. The way you program that can be, you know, if you're a bodybuilder, you can still control those tempos. You can control the loads. Um, you can control the intensity um, through that too. I don't think those worlds need to be mutually exclusive. I think they can overlap completely. Yeah. Um, and you look at what 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 are the principles that are um, relative to that individual? Do they need to get uh, faster, bigger, more explosive? Do they need to be more agile and be more reactive? Or do they need just brute strength? I don't know. Um, but that's where you can add those smart sort of training principles to that to those uh, principles as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Hey. I love those um, those principles. It's just funny. Like the more the more people I talk to who are into you know the movement world or um, not even just movement. Hey, like um, <laughs> the fitness industry, fitness, fitness world, diet. Yeah. Like the people yeah. on this um, more natural. Uh, approach to mm. life. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many things that overlap, and it's just yeah, yeah. Well, know, like that's it's... that's a, that's the thing that can be bloody confusing as well. It's like I think the more you learn, the more questions you have, and the more you realize that you know one thing just doesn't exist in isolation. It's like you know everything affects everything. Mm. So I, I got asked to do a review recently on uh, some research around exercise in the microbiome, and I looked at the actual research, and it's like, well, you know. Endurance exercise is the only exercise that's been tested so far, and it seems to have a positive effect on certain microbes and also on gut wall strengthening, which I found quite interesting. Mm. But we still haven't even looked at, you know, what the other forms of movement can do, um, you know, what strength training does, what, you know, 3D movement does. It's just so much harder to measure yeah. um, because there's so many variables that you need to be able to control and measure, and it's just, it's just impossible. So. You know, everything does affect everything, you know, especially when you take it back to, you know, some of the barefoot science you talk about and even the breath work, you just realize that it's all interconnected. <clears throat> I think like from a research point of view, a lot of this ancestral um, kind of knowledge that we're trying to, you know, now bring to that more natural movement or natural diets. Yeah. It can't, like you just said, it can be really hard to measure. Mm. Um, you know, if someone's broken, it's easy to put something in their shoe or, try to yeah. shoe and try and measure that and go, well, you know what, that pain was, was reduced. Yeah, in their foot. Yeah. In their foot or this has changed. Yeah. But yeah. when you start getting back to basics, um, it can be hard to measure because there's so many other factors that mm. may not be lining up to help get that body as functional as it could be or things may take longer because you're trying to restore stuff. You're not just totally. trying to totally. quickly band-aid things. So it's a shame research is a little bit lagging in, this space but it's definitely on the rise it's definitely coming through yeah yeah it is there's some great stuff happening mm. with the barefoot uh, movement part of what you do how do you yourself and with clients like incorporate this 
into training and into life and, and what are some of the benefits that you see? Yep. I know we've touched on a few um, earlier. Yep. But yeah, what are the benefits that you see as a like a trainer and in the gym and yep. even the, the feedback you get? What do you Yeah, or well, yeah, that's, that's that's a really good question. And um I mean with my clients I use it in a few different ways. I mean, obviously it depends on, you know, that individual at the time. You know, there's obviously certain people that, you know, have, you know, foot trauma, foot issues that, you know, I probably wouldn't go, you know, that feels like it's a little bit beyond my, my skill set. So that's where I'd love to have someone like you on yeah. board to guide that process a little bit better. But, you know, depending on how their day's gone, I, I might do some, um, you know, have them standing on a Shakti mat, for example, and bare feet mm. to start just to once again balance out that, that autonomic nervous system. Or just do some um, basic foot drills just to um, bring some awareness to it. Um, sometimes uh, I'll, I've got like a little fake rock mat. It's like a, a, a mold. Yeah, so like nice. a, a mold there. It's quite cool. Um, so I'll get people marching around on that just to upregulate that that whole nervous system and just to create smarter movement. So at the beginning of the session, I think is really key. Mm. Um, for, for someone who's lifting, I'll really want to get, you know, wants to lift heavy. I'll do some good foot simulation work um, there. I might do some of those uh, foot drills to activate the arches in the feet and some of the muscles uh, in the feet, create yep. some awareness around foot position. Some people I might just do some weight balancing work um, because some of the one of the assessments I do quite often is assessing where people are taking their weight. You know, on a set of scales, we don't have any cool technology yet, but ancestry um, don't need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, it might just be actually creating, closing your eyes and actually just feeling where your weight distribution through your feet is going in bare feet. And I think that can be a really nice way to set you up for some good movement uh, at the beginning of the session as well. Um, some people I'll do foot, barefoot work during the session as well, depending on how comfortable they are with it and, and how conditioned they are as well. So I might do some 3D movement in bare feet. I might do some crawl patterns in, big, in bare feet to really get that big toe, you know, mobilized and moving. Do you find people are um, pretty open to that? Like style yeah. Of, yeah. Quite often at first, maybe not, but I'll just plant a seed and I'll, uh, you know, talk through the benefits of it first and then I'll, I might wait for them to, to express a bit more interest in it and then I'll start to do a little bit more. Actually, in my small group training, I quite often do a barefoot little circuit to, to, to get the group uh, working and playing and laughing as well. Yeah. It's a nice little side effect. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I do some little barefoot circuits where I have different, basically, foot stimuli in like a, in a line and they have to walk through it. Um, so I have some Shakti mats, the fake rock stuff, some balance obstacles, um, things like that just to get that whole nervous system upregulated um, to create smart movement. <clears throat> and some people, yeah, like I said, bare feet within the, within the session um, and even lifting in bare feet. Like um, within the session is great. Other people I'll take outside for sessions. So I'll get them out to the park or out to the beach in bare feet. And some people are a bit more conditioned and used to it. I'll go off-road and I'll get them up into the bushes in bare feet as well. Yeah, nice. I do that on a regular basis. I feel that's just like so nourishing for me. Mm. I used to do barefoot Sundays, which is completely barefoot up into the bushes and <laughs> try not to get too lost. But, you know. Um, and then other people at the end of the session, so if it's been a hard session, I'll get, once again, I'll do some ANS balancing work in bare feet, so some mindful breathing, um, or standing on a Shakti mat, um, or um, uh, doing the, the fate rock uh, thing again, or even out to some, some grass just to get a little bit grounded in earth. So, mm. yeah, so it can be positioned throughout the, the session, but most people now that I train with work in bare feet most, most of the time. Mm. Yeah. So if, like... <clears throat> Do you think, again, for the people who are doing that traditional training, maybe the bodybuilding or yeah. training for a sport and just going to a gym, that's something that anyone could do, yeah? Like, I mean, if you yeah. haven't seen Shakti mats, um, you can get fairly small ones. They're like an acupressure mat. Mm. Um, yeah. They almost look like little golf um, <laughs> studs. Yeah, kind of. they, they, they lure you into a false sense of uh, security. They look like a nice little pleasant field of daisies. <laughs> <laughs> I think you leave, you leave with your feet bleeding, do you? <laughs> I, I still remember my first experience. <laughs> Not very nice. <laughs> no. It was a shock. <laughs> but, yeah, but something like that could be easily um, yeah. applied. You know, people, I believe, and it sounds like you're uh, of a similar mindset that, yeah, like warming those feet up and 
getting some yeah. stimulation through um, the foot prior to training can just have mm. huge benefits. Um, I just think smarten up your feet, smarten up your movement, hey? Like it's, yeah. a, I think, was it a warm up for your nervous system versus mm. a warm up for your muscles, eh? You yeah. know, we're used to warming up our muscles and tissues, but mm. not so much the, the nervous system. And what better way to do it? You know, there's some balance work or some barefoot work. Yeah, it's, it's such a smart way of doing it, I think. Yeah. So that young um, football player I was talking about, I've now got him um, prior to training and prior to the games. He does his warm-up barefoot and then, yeah, he pops his shoes on, obviously, to play, his boots. Um, but again, it's like getting that that feeling and warming those feet up and letting his body know what surface he's you know, running on, how, yeah. he, how his body should be reacting to that surface. He yeah. gets that full kind of picture and then when mm. he pops his boots on, sure, there's that layer and yeah. it's going to affect it somewhat. But the brain still has that, you know, it's been warmed oh, up to what, he's about to what he's about to do. Yeah. Um, which is a similar thing to what you're saying, you know, it's just getting that, mm. that feedback. I, I, wish I, I wish I'd known that playing, you know, football, you know, beforehand. Yeah, right. You know, it would have been, yeah, it would have been such a great tool. Which just warms up like all the muscles that the, you would then mm. need. Um when like sidestepping, running forward, whatever, yeah. have the ability to then turn on and, and help with timing. Totally. It's the whole timing thing, right? Like yeah. the, the, the rhythm, the timing, the reactivity, kind of saying, yeah, everything. React to this, react to that. Yeah. And then, like I said, you know, the boots are going to then affect it, but at least you've given the body that bit of um, yeah. prep, you know, prior to the game. Yeah. All right, yeah, mate. So yeah. with um, the kids, and I kind of mentioned before that my life's changed since kids. Um, mm. I don't know, we've chatted before and, and you're definitely in a similar position. Well, what can we learn from kids' movement? Um, oh, what have you learned? So well, how do you apply, so apply their, yeah. you know, well, actually one thing, I met, when I heard you, you were talking at, at the Wellness Summit and I think you'd referred to kids' movement as like the way they explore um, the world and you had mentioned yeah. that, um, you know, so much we can learn from kids. So yeah, I'd love to hear your. Um, yeah, oh, so much. I, I mean, it, it, yeah, like 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 you just said. Um, <laughs> I think children make sense of the world. They develop their map of the world based on movement. It's how they explore mm. things, and it's uh, it's incredible to watch. I feel like I learn something every day from my kids and the way they move. Um, you know, especially when they're younger. That's when they first start. I mean, actually, I was going to say when they first start walking, but even before that, it's it's really interesting to see those neural patterns develop from, you know, when they can hardly move at all to be able to rotate, lift their heads, um, crawl, you know, shuffle. It's it's just fascinating to watch, and you just see how um, it, it evolves us into creatures of movement. Eh? Uh, it changes the shape of our spine, the way our limbs function. Um, we know the connection now between you know, the, the brain and the nervous system and movement as well. But, you know, right down to breathing, you watch a child breathe and it's incredible. It's just, it's all diaphragm. You see the little bellies yeah. moving up and down. Um, you can see when their breathing patterns change that, they're, you know, they're about to express themselves in another way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that squat is a classic one that I learned from, uh, you know, my kids. You see them. I, I reference this all the time, but I still remember Brooke when she was younger. Uh, I think she was about two years old. And Elias doing very similar things now as well. Like I got her involved. We used to go out gardening. Um, we'd bring in some veggies, and then she'd wash them, and we'd prepare food together. But I can still remember she was squatting on the bench, uh, <laughs> which is probably doesn't appeal to a lot of people. And um, she was wa washing the, the lettuce leaves, and one, one lettuce leaf, for some reason, flew over uh, about a meter away. I don't know how it happened. And she sort of did this perfect – she was sitting in a deep squat doing this, by the way. And then she did this perfect little duck walk over, you know, in keeping her hips low, pick it up, turn around, come back, back into a deep squat. And then she just did this perfect squat and picked the bowl up and just handed it over to me. And I was like, wow, yeah. if I get my clients to do that, I'll be a happy man. But, yeah, kid, kids are amazing. Um, you see their, their hand and foot dexterity. Their feet are just so malleable and they're amazing, aren't they? The way they sort of mold to the earth and um, react to the environment. Yeah, like you, you you can tickle the bottom of their feet, and you see their whole foot just you know wrap around your finger. It's incredible. It just you grabs you. Stop. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Eh? It's like little monkey feet. Yeah. But I know when really um, when you'd mentioned um, like at the summit about kids, you're exploring <laughs> the world through movement. Mm -hmm. It actually got me thinking about well, more about that later on, and yeah. how movement's almost like a 
know, curiosity because I was kind of thinking, well, you know, if movement's our way of exploring, like why do we stop doing this? But it's also, yeah, I think it's a big part of it's being curious, right? Like as kids, yeah. they want to um, start lifting their head to see more and, and react yeah. to sounds and but they want to, as they get up into higher positions, they want to then reach for stuff they know they shouldn't. Mm. Um, mm. Even from a, like a little walking shuffle, the curiosity kicks in where yeah. they want to go and get something, but as a parent, yeah. we're trying to stop them. So they start getting faster and faster and learning to run yeah. to try and get yeah. away from us. So, you know, I think a big part of movement and a big issue with movement is we stop getting curious. You know, oh, we, we get I think into it's a the, big part of life. Well, we get into the gym and it's like yeah. we're, we're doing that, the mundane, you know, lifting program we may, might have done and it's fine. Like if that's what we need to do, but yeah, we're not, we don't seem to get out as much and just, want to climb a tree or get curious about what's over that hill That's or a great way of framing it actually you know what i mean though? I, might like, tie, I might tie that into my uh my last uh, my last point actually so <laughs> my next presentation <clears throat> yeah go for it it's a really good point yeah but it's like that's kind of after listening to you talk last time that was my um kind of takeaway as i was um like debriefing i guess from your yep. your um talk down there i was just trying to work out why do we stop doing this and i for me, mm. I think it's that curiosity part and we just get caught up in so. life as adults. And and for me then, like, but again, I'm into movement. I like yeah. um, studying movement. So my curiosity is kicked off again because I'm watching my kids be curious and now I try and copy what they do and I'm getting curious about, well, how can I get into that position or why can't I climb that totally. when they can? Um, totally. And I'm finding that's helping uh, me move better again just by getting <laughs> yeah. curious. So yeah. You know, I think it's about uh, not getting complacent with, well, you know, I'm, I'm at this age, that's my body's breaking yeah. down, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. It's about, well, how do I make this better? How do I? <laughs> oh, totally, man. And curiosity, I think, goes hand in hand quite a lot with play as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think once we, once we leave the schoolyard, I think that's something that we just stop doing. You know, exercise or, you know, movement done for the sake of, sake of pleasure becomes movement done for the sake of, um, counteracting a sedentary life. Mm, yeah. So um, I think play and curiosity to me go hand in hand. Eh? I think it's yeah. really, really important. <clears throat> Definitely. What are some final words of wisdom you can leave with us? How can we just move better? What do we need to do today to to start? Yeah, I guess. Approach? I mean, first of all, have it reflect on what we spoke about those you know six points and what ones are present in your life and what ones aren't. Um, I'd like to add to that as well. When was the last time you really enjoyed movement um, in your life? And what did move, movement mean to you as a, as a child? And can you remember a time in your life where you know, movement was just an essential um, nutrient in your life that you really, really enjoyed and you looked forward to? Mm, definitely. And then it's trying to get back into that, right? It's getting into that mindset of, mm. like you said, play, make movement fun play. again. Yep. And how can you inject fun. it back into your life? I think, yeah, it can be for anyone, you know, and it could be as simple as standing on the spot, just passing a ball to someone, you know, yeah. <laughs> or it might be dancing, you know, some people love dance, you know, it might be um, some people love straight line stuff like running, which doesn't yeah. appeal to me, but you know, that does appeal to some people. Mm. What is it that you really enjoy? What does movement mean to you? Yeah, no, perfect. Mm. So where can we find you, mate? I know there's <laughs> your website, uh, bestme.co.nz slash Carl Hemmington yep. is like your bio, so people want to check you out. And there's lots of uh, cool info on there. Like I mentioned earlier, there's your podcast, Best Me Radio. Yep. Um, there's some awesome content on there. Like <laughs> yeah, if you're on a health and wellness journey, um, whether it's movement, um, foraging, like diet is, is yeah, so I didn't even get into there. foraging. <laughs> Usually, no, I tie that in somewhere. <laughs> I, know, I, was, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't have time to <laughs> yeah for you to go on <laughs> with foraging. I know you love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the podcast is amazing. I'm loving um, your podcast. I'm learning so much from it. And social so. media. Where can people connect with you, mate? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, best on Facebook, best me community. And uh, same on Instagram, best me community, uh, one word. And yeah, also on healthfitcollective.co.nz, um, you can find me there too. And that's more 
you know, where I practice from. And that's, that's the sort of physical manifest manifestation of a lot of the stuff we, we talked about is here. Yeah. And then if people want to train um, with you guys, where are yep. you located? We're, we're located in Wellington, uh, New Zealand. So central Wellington, right on the waterfront, nice, beautiful environments. We were nice. very lucky to secure the spot. Um, but we also do Skype stuff as well. So we do um, coaching uh, via Skype too. So if there's a physical barrier, that's always an option too. Uh, perfect. So if you haven't already, check out Carl and, and everything he's up to. Um, yeah, check out any of the educational stuff that he's going on too. If you can get to any of it, um, I'd encourage you to because this guy is a legend. He's a very smart guy and if you get a chance to chat with him, um, yeah, you will learn Lots and lots of stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks for your time today, mate. Um, I've learned a lot. I'm sure this is, is going to spark a lot of um, or ignite some passion in people moving again, which is okay. really important. Um, mm. Well, for life, but also from a, a barefoot movement point of view, moving well is yeah. First and foremost, there's no point trying to ditch shoes or uh, worry about you know, whether you're barefoot or not, if you don't mm. move well. So yep. definitely start looking at those principles that Carl has gone through, start chipping away at those. Um, and then once you're moving better, then then start yeah, definitely ditching the mm. shoes. I would yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely encourage that. But, yeah, definitely, it's definitely the movement stuff <laughs> first. So thanks again, mate. Really, really appreciate hey, thanks, it. Paul. And, and, and same from you, man. I've learned so much from you. And thanks for adding a couple more layers to my uh, my principles there. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. And, and next time we speak, I'm sure num- the feet will be number one. I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> it's slowly working its way up. <laughs> That's right. I'll keep chipping away. <laughs> thanks, mate. Cheers, Paul. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.